All right, welcome back to the Struggles of a Christian podcast. <clears throat> Today we're going to finish up Paul. Now I say we're finishing up, but I'm still not done. There, there's one more thing I'm working on for Paul, but this is going to finish up his travels, his 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 uh, acts uh, in the Book of Acts. His uh, it's going to pretty much just wind down to Paul getting ready to uh, go before Felix and and uh, Caesar Augustus. So we're going to finish up Paul. We're going to call this uh, Paul the spirit moves because that's what happened in this man's life is the spirit constantly moved him. He constantly went where God told him the sensitivity to the spirit, the, the, the connectivity he had to the God that he served is amazing. When you read about Paul. So we have looked many times at the sensitivity to the spirit and the books of acts. I mean, <clears throat> I did a whole series on it, uh, listening to the voice of God and responding. What we are going to do today is look at the events concerning Paul and Silas and the high, and the hand of God guiding and directing as we wrap up uh, Paul. So we're going to 16.6 and Acts. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the regions of Galatia and were fit, forbidden, that's important, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The Spirit's telling them where to go. He's also telling them where not to go. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. <clears throat> there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. This is the call of the Macedonian that you hear about in the song that we sing. Uh, so they were forbidden to go to Asia. Why? Why did, why did God said you got to go into the whole world? So why were they forbidden to go into Asia? Well, just as uh, just as the disciples, when Christ was here, the disciples were not allowed to minister in Samaria yet. So too were the missionaries here not allowed to go to Asia yet. There are things going on in Asia, and that's and we're going to talk about that in a second. But the Spirit is telling Paul where to go, and the Spirit is also telling Paul where not to go. That's sensitivity to the Spirit. That's something I think we are lacking today. Uh, not that the Spirit's lacking, but we are not as sensitive as Paul was. All right, so Asia was right next to where they were, yet they were not allowed to go there. It's interesting, God's timetable. It really is, if, you, if you've read, read this and studied it. Yet the Spirit led them to Macedonia, which was farther away than the actual border of Asia. So God really doesn't want them in that area. God has a bigger plan for Paul. And it meant Jerusalem and Rome to preach the gospel to the government. For Paul was uniquely qualified to stand before both the Jewish and the Roman government. He was uniquely qualified. Paul, had he gone to Asia, might very well have never made it back due to the sheer size of Asia. He may have never made it back to finish his, his destiny, his plan, his path. I don't know why he was not allowed. That's conjecture. But Asia is so big, he may never have made it back. And God had plans for Paul to preach to Nero and Festus and... and um, Augustus. So, but now, now don't, don't get upset. Now God had the gospel being preached in Asia. It just wasn't by Paul and Silas. Uh, according to tradition, Thomas was already there in Asia preaching. So God had a representative there. Paul just wasn't part of that representation. Okay. So now uh, there was a man that appeared in a dream saying, come to Macedonia. He has a dream that says, come to Macedonia. And what does Paul do? He gets moving. He heads to Macedonia. 
<laughs> uh, I have dreams, but I have never had that dream. Paul, in his sensitivity to the Spirit, hears the call and gets going to Macedonia. I wish we still had this. The Spirit talking to us and us moving when we hear it. See, it can talk to us all day long, but if we don't respond, what's the point? Acts 16.10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. All right, so let's let's break that down. It's it's very, very complicated. So here we go. After he saw the vision, immediately they endeavored to go into Macedonia. Immediately. No delay, no committees, no fundraising, no finance parties, no support networking. They got and they went. Spirit sensitivity. All right, where are we at here? Okay, so now we're going to jump ahead to, because uh, we just did Acts 16. Um, in a devotional, we just did Acts 16 with Paul and Silas in, in the jail. Um, and let's see, wait a second. There was something else I was going to say right here, and I just, I missed it completely. I, I must not have wrote that down. Anyway, so we're going to go to 18.1, because Paul went to Macedonia, and we're going to pick right up then. So Paul, after these things, after the Macedonia, he departs from Athens and comes to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Achilla, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, the Roman emperor, Claudius had commanded all the Jews to get out of Rome, depart from Rome, and came unto them. So Paul finds Achilla and Priscilla here in Corinth, because Claudius threw all the Jews out of Rome, and Paul came unto them there. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, and wrought for, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. All right. Now, this is the part I really want to make here, because we've always talked about Paul, his steadfastness. We always talk about Paul, his his sheer doggedness in going ahead and never getting frustrated, never giving up running the race. Yes, he did. And I am not putting any negatives on Paul whatsoever. But I'm going to point out something here that not many people realize. So Paul finds Priscilla and Aquila. He makes tents with them. He's in a synagogue every Sabbath, reasoning and persuading the Jews and the Greeks of Jesus. Paul went to the synagogue on the Jewish Sabbath, even though he was no, un, no longer under the law. But why? Because that's where the ones who needed to hear the gospel were. He went to them, reasoned, argued, and persuaded them of the gospel in Jesus of Nazareth. Paul never stopped preaching Christ. Never. So Silas and Timothy come along. Paul's working with um, Priscilla and Aquila. And he decides, okay, let's go. Let's go to the Jews. The Spirit's on me. Let's go talk to the Jews. The Jews, and I, I left this verse out for some reason, the Jews blasphemed. The Jews blasphemed. They got violent. They got mad. They got loud. They got rhetorical. They got everything that people who are in the wrong do, they got. Paul throws up his hands, and he says, I am no longer going to preach to you, testify, witness to you. 
I am walking away from you. I am done with you. All right. Next verse. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. All right. So Paul was with Priscilla and Aquila. And they were arguing, or not, they were, they, they were talking, they were reasoning, they were, they were, they were uh witnessing, but they were not doing it in a violent, vehement manner. They weren't doing it in a way that stirred anything up. They were doing it in debates and peaceful and civil. And then Silas and Timothy come, and Paul has has gotten used to the quiet life, so he goes with them to the temple and he gets blasphemy. He goes, I'm done with this, I'm tired. I'm tired. That's what he says. I'm tired of, of doing this. I'm going solely to the Gentiles who don't get this violent, this distraught, this loud every time I say something. So he goes into this guy's house. His house is uh, Justice. Uh, it does his name, J-U-S-T-U-S, -S, Justice. One that worshiped God. So he went to another fellow believer. He's getting among some like-minded folks. He's trying to recharge his batteries. I get it. He's tired of fighting. We all get there after a while. He's tired of fighting. He says, I'm done. So he goes to Justice's house. Now, here's the kicker, and I really want you to get this part. Paul had given up. God had not. There was something Paul wasn't aware of, and God's about to tell him what it is. When we give up, that may be the minute before God delivers, and remember that. But Paul gave up, and God says, you're not done. This is what we're going to do. So pay attention. Ready? And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. <laughs> do you get that? All right. So Paul, he's sitting there making tents with Priscilla and Aquila. He's making some money, trying to get some you know, finances up to go on. Guess what? God says, I need you to go to the temple. Paul says, no, I don't want to go to the temple. And then Silas and Timothy come along. So, okay, we're going to the temple. They go to the temple. Paul preaches. He teaches. He testifies. He witnesses. He does what Paul does. The temple gets riled up. The synagogue gets riled up. And they blaspheme. And they, they, they chase them up. And Paul says, I'm done with y'all. I'm not talking to you again. That one time is what God needed him to do. His faithfulness to listen. Not the fact that he got exacerbated. He got exasperated. I get that. But that following through in obedience is what God needed. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue and all his house, believed because of Paul. Even though he got upset, even though he got done, God still worked. God still worked a miracle. Then, um, But it wasn't just Crispus. The chief ruler, it was many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. The Lord was doing a work there. He pressed Paul in the spirit to go to the synagogue. Paul went. He got upset. He got He's done. But God's still working. That's a miracle. Then spake the Lord uh, in Acts 18.9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in a night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. God's telling him now. I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. I, I, this is supposition because it doesn't say it. Okay, this is strictly me here. But I want to say that God saw him tired. 
God saw him beat down. God saw him exasperated and worn out from all the violence, all the the, the, the extreme um, persecution. And God said, Paul, I got your back. It's okay. I have many people in the city. The few that are talking loudly, they don't matter. You say, you preach, you're fine. And for a year and a half, a year and a half, Paul preached in that city. We got 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians out of it. Oh, that's, 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 I mean, <laughs> Paul gave up just a minute too soon, but God didn't let him down, did he? No, God was there for him. All right, Acts 19.11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain vagabond Jews exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by whom, by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and a ch and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them overcame them, seven of them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, for fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. <laughs> God wrought special miracles by Paul, and this, is, this does not happen today. Somebody trying to sell you a handkerchief or something like that, it doesn't work, don't do it. Once again, confirmation that he was the divinely appointed 12th apostle because he had this power that God gave the apostles, replacing Judas. This power, the apostles, these things are no longer in today's church. If people come to you and say they are an apostle, don't believe it. Walk away. If they say they have a new word and it's not in the Bible, walk away. If they say they're going to sell you a uh, I, I don't remember what they call them now. It's uh, a handkerchief or or, or um, an apron or something like that to cast out evil spirits. Don't you believe it? None of this happens. We have the spirit indwelling us as believers. None of this happens anymore. This was special dispensation only for the apostles. So if somebody comes to you and says all this stuff, walk away. All right. So the interesting part here is the sons of Sceva, Sceva, who was a Jew and chief of the priests, one of those that scoff at the message of Paul. So you know the sons had absolutely no chance of knowing Jesus. The sons of Sceva cried out the phrase, we adjure you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. They had no idea the power they were messing with. I often think back to when my five-year-old stood and slayed my three-year-old in the spirit. When You know how Benny Hinn did it on the stage and he, almost hit their forehead and they'd fall back. My two children were able to do that. And if these boys were as innocent as my two children, they didn't have a chance. They were mocking Paul and they were casting out uh, spirits, mocking Paul. Uh, and then they came, ran across a real spirit. They were making fun of Christ. They were making fun of Paul or, or, and this, this is just a, 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 a different way of looking at it. Or they were just going out saying, hey, we're the son of the chief priest. We can do this too, just like they did, because the chief priest, he's the priest of God. Yeah, 
you actually got to know the God that you're talking to to get anything. Anyway, we don't know their true motives. So it's just a thought I get from time to time of what their motive was. So the spirit they were trying to, to exercise recognized Christ and Paul, but not these boys. And he was not kind to them. These boys, no matter what the motive, found out what true power was. They were messing with evil. They found out what evil was. Once again, the difference between those who know and hear the spirit versus those who parrot phrases and mimic actions. That's exactly what's happening here. Paul knew Christ. The demon knew Christ and knew Paul. The sons of Sceva knew none of any of them. And they went out in their ignorance and they were totally humiliated. All right, so now we're going to go and we're going to wrap up with Paul in 27.9. There's so much to get to in Paul. I'm just going to end it here. It's a study to do. It's a fascinating study. So now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. So they had been uh, sailing overnight. The fast was passed. Paul admonished them because they hadn't ate. They had no energy. And said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. We're getting to that sensitivity. This is why we skip so much from uh, Acts 19 to 27. We're talking about the sensitivity to the spirit. So Paul, sensitivity to the spirit, went into the temple and left. Paul, sensitivity to the spirit, the demon knew Paul and Christ. Sensitivity to the spirit allowed Paul's name to be known among all. Okay, now here, uh, Paul is on a ship and it's about to wreck. And he goes to him and he says, Sirs, I perceive this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. So the centurion, who was a soldier, believed the guy who knew the ships, who knew the ways of the water more than the, the guy who preached the gospel. He didn't know Paul had a direct line to God, okay? <laughs> so Paul was warning them not to go. All of these people knew Paul to be an honest and trustworthy man, yet they didn't believe him over a veteran sailor. Not necessarily their fault here, okay? Uh, 27-21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, I told you so, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. So Paul, after a quick, I told you so, lets them know that God is going to take care of them. They will all survive the storm, but not the ship. The ship is gone. It's done. There's nothing they can do for the ship. But hey, what do we always say? Car accident. Nobody's hurt. Oh, good. We can replace the car. We can't replace you. That's absolutely correct. All right, so 27, 23, Paul's talking again. He says, for there, by, there, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. 
These men, the ship crew, the jailers, the guards, are all now protected for who they are with. Remember that. They are protected because Paul is in God's will. They are with Paul. They are now protected. Remember that next time you go against the man of God, all right? Uh, they are protected not of their own merit, but because they have found themselves in God's will, whether inadvertent or not. 2730. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as though they would cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. The soldiers are about to lose their lives if those sailors run away. And Paul's saying, no, 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 you go get them, you bring them back here. At this point in time, Paul's the one who's been right. Who else? That, that, no, nobody knows what's going on. The sailors are trying to flee. Means it's pretty bad. The soldiers are now going to start listening to Paul. Because he's the only one offering any hope for their lives. And that, to anybody, is a precious cargo. So they have gone from believing the veteran sailors to trusting and believing fully in Paul and his God. They have nothing left. So finally, they're relying on God. They have gone in full with Paul, and when he speaks, they act. And so, and the ship falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that they which could swim should cast them full, excuse me, should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped, that they escaped all safe to land. Now, this is important. Okay, the prisoners or the soldiers listened to Paul and they lived. They're now. Don't get me wrong. They're now. Hard cast, uh, the, the, the fore part of the ship is stuck in the ground and unmovable. The back part's being torn apart by the ocean. Okay, all right, and, and that's fine. Uh, everybody's safe, everybody's alive, just like Paul said. But the soldiers are counseling to kill the prisoners. Why? If the prisoners escaped, the soldiers' lives are forfeit anyway. But if the soldiers killed the prisoners, they can make up a story saying, hey, we had to, they were trying to escape there, blah, 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 whatever. They were trying to protect their own skins. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, who had guided them through all this, had told them all this, the centurion's willing to save Paul. He got up and now he fought for Paul, um, just like Paul had, had, had done for him and getting him safe from the wreck of the storm. The soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners to save their own necks. The centurion is trying to be loyal to a man who had been loyal to him, who had saved him. So, but I mean, I'm not casting any aspersions whatsoever on the sailors. Their lives were forfeit. Any of those prisoners escaped. Any of them. Paul said they would all live and they would all get to shore. The, the, the soldiers believed them up until the point that they all lived. But when they finally got away from the storm, they wanted to kill everybody because <laughs> all of a sudden it's back on them. They quit relying on God. So just as Paul foretold, they were all safe and secure. Wet, yes. Bedraggled, oh yeah, they'd been through a rough storm. 
stressed, stranded somewhere they knew not. Yes, they were. But they were still in the hand of God, for they had done exactly what he had told Paul to do. This kind of sensitivity to the Spirit is something we desperately need in today's world. The soldiers, as soon as they saw their lives were safe, they were right back to doing their jobs, which was protecting their necks. The centurion, as soon as everything was safe, he saw what had happened, how it had happened, and he was willing to protect the reason that it had happened. Oh, this kind of sensitivity to the spirit that Paul had that created this whole situation, which is he listened to God, he told them, he told them, and he told them. He stayed steadfast in telling them, he stayed true, he stayed upright, he stayed honest, and he was a witness and a testimony to these folks. That sensitivity in the middle of a storm like that being a, a, a testimony, a rock. The Apostle Paul's ministry spanned A.D. 33 to 64, 31 years, and yet he never lost his zeal. He got exasperated, like we saw with uh, just before Christmas. He got he got depressed, like we saw there at the end, but he never lost his enthusiasm for Christ. His sensitivity to the Spirit, his longevity, his passion is legendary. We still talk about it today. I mean, here we are. That was A.D. 64. Here it is, 2022. 2022. So 64, so in 2064, it'll be 2,000 years. So we're 1,960-some years away from uh, Paul's death. And we are still talking about his faithfulness, his zeal, his testimony today. That sensitivity to the spirit that Paul had was amazing. All right, so that's going to wrap us up on Paul. Uh, we're going to start another series next week. Until then, uh, have a great day.